Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. Shout out to Facebook, being back on track so you guys can see what we're actually talking about. What's going on, everybody? We are live with Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 192. A lot to talk about today. Kyle Bennett, Matt Castorino, live from Underground Studios. As always, show brought to you by our friends at Main Auto LLC, Ducharms Pro Foot. They have a ton of... Of fun stuff coming out for the holidays, so make sure you go check out our friends at Ducharms, Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall, Mark Ronchetti, CPA LLC, and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland. What's going on, Matt? Living the dream, you know. Sixers living that dream. Yes. Streaking a little bit, and uh, Charles Barkley hates us again. Yeah, I don't know... Uh... See, okay, so my very hot take that I don't, I don't think of it is that the <laughs> TNT show sucks. I hate it. I think you've said that before on the I show, too. I can't stand watching it. Um, it's a bunch of has-beens yelling about nonsense. Um, I can't stand listening to Shaq talk. I don't I don't think I've ever understood a full sense that Charles Barkley's ever said. <laughs> um, like, Ernie and Kenny are like, okay. like they're like, Ernie's the best part of the show. Ernie's Ernie constantly has to reel them in, and God bless. That, that show is not that good. I shouldn't say it sucks, but, like, people overhype it. Like, it's, like, the best thing that's ever been on television. It's, like, maybe change the channel, because I think <laughs> it's it's okay. Like, but I don't know. I, I'd almost prefer to be out of Charles Barkley's uh, graces. And <laughs> he was also someone that picked us to win in preseason. He yep. picked us to win the finals. So was, we're sitting in December like plus 12 in the winning column and all of a sudden we're not good enough it's like we lost last night you know like yeah. his his comments and then like i was kind of i've been scrolling through twitter kind of throughout the day and i feel like the entire discussion about the sixers and everything i'm hearing is that people don't believe in us for some reason and that we're not very good where have you heard that story before i don't i just don't really get it and i'm not gonna like cry about it because whatever people have their opinions but it just it it feels like we just like came off the back of, like a three-game skid and in fact, we just beat we just beat the Raptors, and we just beat the Nuggets, who have been struggling recently. But like, those are two pretty solid wins. Part of a like three game winning streak that's like and you feel like can roll. the Cavs like you should. Yeah, like I don't know. I feel like we didn't even have this negativity last week when we lost to the Wizards, which was like probably our worst loss of the season. So I don't know where a lot of this has come from, but um, it's because Joel Embiid's not Luka Doncic. I guess, it, it, yeah, and I mean that's part of it too. Is I think like you get a stage in like every every sport, not even just with basketball. You get a stage in every sport where the good teams and the good players, you get like a fatigue about them. Um, you've heard this argument with like LeBron and like why he wasn't voted for MVP like you know three or four or five years ago. Because people were kind of tired of it being his award. Now, there was obviously some deserving players in that time frame that won MVP. But, you know, like, it's that kind of thing where it's like you're always looking for the next big, like, thing. Like, even Giannis now is going to be, like, this year, there's going to be, again, kind of his year. But I wouldn't be surprised in the next two, three years to see another guy. Even though Giannis will continue to dominate and will probably be the best player in the league, there'll be that next guy to talk about. But Which is fine. It's the circle of it all. But it feels weird. Like, people are, like, fatigued about this team and, like, over them. And I don't get it. And I'm seeing, like, I think it started as serious just from, like, someone who's not uh, very smart, maybe, <laughs> about trading Embiid. And now it's kind of turned into a meme almost. But, yeah, I don't... The trade Embiid stuff has been strange. It's been such a weird mood. For, this is, like, I would have understood this kind of strange feeling this time last year, even though we, this is, like, post-Jimmy Butler last year, like, and we're, we're kind of rolling at this point. But, like... I, I don't know where some of the negativities come from. But you know what, man? We keep rolling. That's 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 it. 
What did you make of Joel's comments post game? You know, talking about kind of taking a shot at the people, saying that he needs to be more mature, and that's why he's not having fun right now, and not you know egging on the crowd like he normally does, and you know talking smack on social media. My take is just be you, Joel. Like don't like I think listening to the outside noise and all that, and sure like. You want the maturity from the standpoint of him on the court, but like if he's having fun like he's had in the past, you know, talking smack like he did on his Instagram last night with uh with Jokic with a, a caption that said childhood hero, which was absolutely hilarious. Just be you. Like if if it's making you feel loose and fun doing that, I have no problem with it. As long as it's not to like the extent of what we had earlier with Carl Anthony Towns and that one comment he made, but if he's having fun with it, I literally don't understand the vitriol and the hate towards Joel just having fun. Yeah, what's weird too is I feel like no one's really gotten on him about the like antics mid-game. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that was a turning point from though the the cat stuff. Maybe I wouldn't be even be surprised if someone from the organization even got in his ear and is like, "Listen, like we love it. We love that that's who you are, but you can't." You know, his like post-game comments were definitely a little little off the mark. Um, so I wonder if like he's kind of just taking that as a on the whole. I have to maybe be, you know, I, you know, as long as he's happy. That's my big thing. Like right, if if he's cool with like maybe not being as uh, as boisterous as he normally is. If he's not doing his, you know, raising the arms and pumping everyone up. Like if he doesn't feel like doing that anymore. If that doesn't like if that's something he wants to cut out. Then sure, if that's what he wants to do. I like I think we'd all miss it, and that's like part of the reason that we love him, Pete, is because. He definitely seems to get it, right? Like he, he seems to really understand, uh, like what motivates the fans or what what excites them, and he's always he's honestly since day one has tapped into that very well. So, yeah, if he if he loses that, like as a as a fan, that's disappointing. But ultimately, you know, like I don't think it really changes. He still dominates in games. Like I thought he was great again last night. So, what can you say, honestly? Let's recap this uh, this win streak a little bit. Ben Simmons hit another three he since did. the last time we had a show. Had an absolutely unreal performance against the Cavs. Um, Tobias Harris keeps rolling. Looks fantastic right now. Uh, I still am laughing at all the people that are just on Twitter like saying, Tobias, we're sorry. We didn't give you a week to turn it around. We apologize. He looks fantastic. And he's only gotten better since that cold streak, which we said on this show and everybody says, Shooters go through those streaks, and sure, it's going to look worse because Tobias has the big contract, but he's going to figure it out, and right now, he's on a roll. Yeah, and I, I think he's he's been great. And I, part of the uh, the takes that I've seen about being negative about this team is like not believing that uh, you know that Tobias is someone that can take over in games. Or like, I feel like this, in my opinion, and I've felt this since we kind of walked away from free agency, that this team is pretty well built for the playoffs. Like, there, I don't think there's a single team that has the kind of defensive weapons that we do. Like, I'm talking multiple, not even just one guy. I'm talking multiple absolute lineup wreckers that this team has. Like, that's what counts in the playoffs. You know what counts in the playoffs? Rebounding. You know who's the best rebounding team in the league, pretty much? <laughs> like, any way you look at it? The Sixers. Like, they're going to absolutely... And look, look at the top of the East. The, te- the, the teams that are surrounding us, the teams that theoretically you're replaying in the conference semifinals and the finals... Those teams, you can all remember. Look at the way we played the Raptors. You know, even even in the first game where you lose, and you have Embiid's one of his worst games, if not his worst game of his career, you only lose by five, right? But flips around this Sunday, it's a much better overall performance. Like, and that's a more complete performance. And that still wasn't even out without Richardson, too. By the way, like, I just feel like this team is is primed for deep runs in the playoffs because of the way they're built. And it's always going to have like weird parts of the season where they're not. Not always going to be like the rolling offense that people love to see and watch. They're not going to be the Warriors like free flowing basketball, right? Like they're not going to be like the Heat days. They're not even going to be like Milwaukee where it's like they just can overpower you. Like that's just not who they are, and that's not what they've been built to be either. Like they haven't been built with the idea that they're going to be some great team that's going to be like shooting the lights out. Like that's never been really in the cards for the Sixers team. And that's fine, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, the, the Cavs game is good because um, it's good to just beat a bad team, <laughs> and we beat them. We did, especially yeah. after the Wizards loss. Ben, I think, has had some of his best career games come against the Cavs. You know, um, two years ago in that one that was kind of for like the 
the three seed mm-hmm. um, against LeBron against LeBron's like last run of the Cavs. He absolutely dominated that game. I remember like he's always kind of had that was a, during that win streak too. Yeah, yeah, and so he's he's always had some pretty good fortune. And without Embiid there too, I think that also helped him. You know, Ben typically without Embiid, it's actually played really good this season. That's been the benefit of having Horford, which we all thought was going to be with Embiid off the floor now that's actually going to help Ben as well. Like you, You're not going to lose as much production from Embiid because you slot Horford there. It opens up a little bit more for Ben. You can put some more shooters out there, and we've seen that be really productive. That that second unit, so to speak, has been a lot better this year. And I, I feel like this team is taking pretty uh, like noticeable leaps in certain areas, which is good. But there's still there's still yeah. things that remain. It's not like super rosy with this team. So it's not like oh beautiful chef kiss like unstoppable. Like there's still flaws, of course. But yeah. And then uh, Sunday the Raptors game. I ended up going to the game because I found stupid cheap tickets on a ticket buying platform. That's you've you've been able to buy tickets to Sixers games like night of and even with like three hours advance for like ten bucks. It's like unbelievable. I got two tickets upper level twenty eight dollars total. Yeah. To go see the Sixers and the Raptors play two teams that were. You know, vying for Eastern Conference Finals positioning last season yeah. and a rematch and all that good stuff. So yeah, my advice is if you can, it's not always easy. Like depending on where you're coming from. I think the highest price ticket right now, obviously, so is just the Christmas game. Yeah, but I think there's the the Lakers game because yeah. I've been looking. I've been like looking like I want to go catch a game soon. Um, but I think the move is really just wait day of. Mm-hmm. And the closer you, if you like, are living, feeling, you can hop right on like the subway or the septa, or whatever, and get right there. You could wait till like thirty minutes before and get games for, like six bucks. Like it's yeah, it's, it's kind of unbelievable right now. And I'm still selling out somehow too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the atmosphere of this game was crazy, even for a Sunday night. Um, I think it also helped that the Eagles weren't playing, so more people could get down there and everything. But again, Tobias Harris, a fantastic game. Ben Simmons looked good. And then we had the Matisse breakout game, which was just so much fun to watch because yeah. he missed his first two threes and then just went on an absolute tear. And no matter where he was shooting from, it was going in. Yeah, he. Uh, it, it was very good to see that from Matisse, right? And like we're going to continue to see these kind of performances like crop up we even saw a little bit last night against denver like here and there like really finding finding his spots and um it is a little like landry-esque from last year where it was like you know november we're like okay like i think we have something here this is this is an exciting player and then december rolls through you're like okay like matisse is good like he and he's someone that you can really expect to to start getting a lot more minutes and be a much more valuable part of this lineup he's still gonna have inconsistent moments and nights as they all do, but he's about as disruptive as you can get. Um, he has, this is, it's an impossible stat to quantify. It's, it's an impossible thing without watching the games and even being there. If you can, um, he has like, I think per game, the most hype plays because he so often is stealing the ball, uh, and running it, especially with Ben. And they're going on these alley-oops that like just, the, the opposing team has to call a timeout because you can't possibly expect your team to function, especially with how like vocal the crowd is and and this home court advantage, which, by the way, is still rolling very strong as we even pour in the halfway through December, still undefeated at home. Um, you know, like they, they have to call a timeout because there's, there's just no way. And it's because Matisse is so active and how many times he's deflecting balls. You know, there was a, a time last night where it was kind of a broken play. He tips the ball out of bounds, they only have like three and a half seconds to work with on the shot clock. Like, yes, like that's not a steal, right? You're not automatically gaining possession, but you're putting that other team in such a box at that time that like he's he is really, really developing something special, which is it's fun to watch. Like he's a really, really fun player. He's your guy. Yeah. During draft season. You wrote about him on our, our website and everything and you said he was the guy that the Sixers need to go get and um he is developing into a legitimate, you know, defensive superstar for this team drafted in the 20s. And it's good to see that this team, back-to-back years, even though Landry's not here anymore, they have been able to hit on two late 20s, well, you know, in the 20s draft picks. Which, you know, and even Furkan has, like, not been terrible. Like, he's at least, like, earning his keep, I guess. Um, You know, and that was another guy that had a lot more, like, negative things said about him. And that was a Colangelo pick, too. You know, (laughs) Um, everyone kind of 
gets upset with Kirkmaz because Siakam was right after, of course. But yeah, you know, it is it is good that we're able to draft effectively late in the first because again, we're going to be picking there for the foreseeable future, hopefully. Um, hopefully, really late in the first, <laughs> ideally last. <laughs> but yeah, thirty. Yeah, that would be great. Um, yeah, that, that's that's positive, right? Is that Sixers are at least getting the use? And you know, we were all pissed off, and there's still things to be said about the draft and the way it was handled. But we were we were all pissed off when we had to trade up to get him. But he's proving to be worth it. Like, if, I I would take him over a lot of people in the draft. Honestly, just I think in terms of fit. Um, in terms of high character guys, he definitely seems to be someone that blends in very well with us. You always want those kind of guys on your team. You want to root for good people, as Brett Brown would call him. He is good people. Um, yeah, he's he's exciting, and it's very positive. I mean, he's playing himself not into rookie of the year talk, but he's gonna, he's playing himself into like all rookie teams, mm-hmm. you know, right now. And this is a guy that you didn't really expect to even. I don't think anyone was really clear on just what kind of role he was even going to have this season. We knew he was obviously going to play, but we didn't. We didn't foresee. Again, granted, it's you know two games. He's been a little inconsistent this year, as you'd expect from a rookie. But he he continues on this trend. Like this is going to be a guy that's going to be getting you know almost sixth man minutes. You know, and that's I don't know that's something that we really expected coming into this year. But it's exciting nonetheless. Exactly, and he interacts with everybody on the team. I don't know if you saw. Uh, I tweeted out the Instagram uh, conversation between him, Mike Scott, and the famous 76ers sixth man. Um, just that relationship too. Like we had, you know, Jimmy Butler and TJ, yeah, Dario and TJ, Joel and Jimmy. Like these little niche friendships. Mike Scott has taken Matisse under his wing. Matisse said Tobias which, has taken him under his wing. Mike Scott and Matisse is like hilarious. It's absolutely <laughs> comical. Like that's like a buddy cop movie. <laughs> and uh, Mike Scott posted the picture and said Philly son with a bunch of fire emojis. And Matisse was like. I just want to be like you when I grow up with the praying hands emoji and his typical smiling one. And then uh, Mike just follows it up with a shut your ass up. And then 76 or 6 man goes at Mike Scott. Hey, boss, I hope that doesn't make me Philly's son's grandfather. At call me, T- They call me Tease. I, st- uh, I still feel young hanging with you. Yeah, it's um, it's it's like all good all around. And that's, that's the thing, too, is like it's it's weird to say but I don't ever think we've had a team as cohesive as this, not even just, like, playing, I think, in terms of, like, locker room stuff. And I think part of that is a lot of, like, Ben and Joel now are a lot more seasoned, right? It's another year that they've kind of gone through all of this and understanding and all that comes with just getting older. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you had someone like Horford again to the locker room. Matisse seems to be a great presence. I think you have, like, you've really fostered a, a good environment. They're hanging out outside of games they're watching other games together like and also no one's getting traded yeah. <laughs> no one's no one's getting moved there's no like you know again like obviously the summer you had them but now it feels like this roster is a lot more complete and is more likely to be the roster that goes in I, I i would expect to see at least one more new face you know come february but yeah this this feels like a team that's finally kind of like set in place and can sort of be allowed to grow it feels like before they were constantly being like taken out into different pots and that was kind of i think a little bit at least affecting some of the the culture on the team uh how can it not if, if you know that guys might be not be there in two months you know even like that's that has to be difficult so yeah i do think uh in terms of just team spirit which again is not something you can quantify it's not something you can say like may not even matter right but it it, it it can't hurt either to have that kind of like fostering development and just good feelings around the team. Like that's good. And Matisse like said in his post game uh, press conference that like Tobias has really taken him under his wing. He goes to Tobias for everything. He's like an older brother to him. Whether it's you know in game stuff, uh, you know financial investments. Like he goes to Tobias for everything, and I think that's pretty awesome for Tobias too because you talk about getting traded and moved around. Tobias has moved around this league a ton and really hasn't had, you know, a way to establish his roots. And now that he's going to be here for the next five years, he's taking guys under his wing to make sure that they're good moving forward. Yeah. And I mean, we all know Tobias, he reads, he's a very smart guy. Uh, so if there's one player that you'd want to, I think, ask those it's types of questions, if you will, t- Tobias would be my first pick probably. Absolutely. So yeah, it's, that's all good stuff for me. Sixers Celtics tomorrow Yikes. for the first time <laughs> since opening night, this time in Boston. And uh, Jalen Brown, 
apparently uh, mocking Ben Simmons up in Boston still. Don't know why he's chatting at all since, uh, you know, we clapped you guys. But uh, thoughts on this game because it's going to be it's gonna be pretty interesting. This is the, um, the like, archetypal, oh, it's just a regular season game if you lose. And, uh, uh, like, this is as good as winning an NBA championship <laughs> if you win type of game. Um, yeah, it's... Let's be honest, it's big. Like, we, we hate the Celtics. There's definitely a rivalry there. I don't care what anyone says. Like, I don't have any good feelings towards them, their team, their coach, whatever. Um, I want to beat them. <laughs> like, I, I want to beat them every time we can. And for all that's been said that's, like, negative about the Sixers, one thing they do is they play well against good teams. Like, this is like you know, you go back to opening night. That was, that was a runaway contest. Now, both teams have changed since then, and, like, they're, they're both still very good teams, both at the top of the conference and the division. So, obviously, it's not like that was particularly indicative of the way this game is probably going to go. But this is, this is a, it's a big game. Like, this is one, like, I, when the, the schedule comes out for the season, I look for the Sixers Celtics games first. That's just the way that I personally am. First time Horford's back in Boston. Very interested to see how that goes from a fan perspective up there. Um, how they kind of do their whole tribute video thing and how Al Horford plays because I think that's obviously the biggest part. Do we get an Al Horford revenge game? Could. he? I don't know that he's that type of player or that he even has that kind of uh, stance like within our team that he necessarily has the ability to go have a revenge game, right? Because um, he's not someone that's typically going to be able to take over games very much. But I wouldn't... I don't think he'd be phased all, all that much by it. Um, you know, he's also someone that's had to do, like, homecoming stuff before, never quite under these circumstances. Like, he's had to go back to the Hawks. Like, there's not as quite much never of a... that rivalry factor. Yeah, there's obviously not quite the rivalry there, but I, I don't... He doesn't strike me as a guy that would really get, like, phased by this kind of thing. Um, you know, I think he's experienced a lot and been through a lot of games, a lot of pressure games. I, I just don't... I don't think in terms of, like, his performance, we'll see, like, much of a difference. I'm interested to see how Matisse plays in this game, too, because he's been on a roll. I want to see it continue and see what he can do against, you know, this Celtics team that typically matches up pretty well against the Sixers. And, uh, man, would it be ever so sweet if, uh, you know, Ben just dropped another three in this game. That would, although he's only he's only shooting against, like, the worst teams. So, but he's building his confidence. And Brett had an interesting quote yes. saying, like, you know, uh, I'm challenging him to shoot a, a three every game, at least, attempt a three every game, and I like I have no problem saying that publicly. I tell his agent, tell whoever. Free throw line yeah. eight times a game. Like he was setting public goals for Ben Simmons, which is cool. Like I and I think that's a good challenge to Ben. But um, yeah, it'd be great to see Ben hit a three in Boston. That would be pretty fantastic. It's gonna it's gonna be scrappy though for sure. And I again. For me, it means a lot to beat the Celtics, no matter the circumstances. I hate them. It's really the only basketball team that I like truly hate. I don't really have that kind of like feeling towards anyone else. I hate everything about them, and I want to beat them every time we play them. It's like Game 3 of Testavis. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, so far, Testavis so is going fairly well. Like It's, it's also going to be interesting because this game is on the road, and the Sixers have had their struggles on the road. Granted, it's not out west, so that's a positive, but... I, I just want to see more consistency on the road that they bring when they're at the Wells Fargo Center. Yes, completely agree. So, back-to-back as well, uh, as they'll go to the Wells Fargo Center and play the Zionless Pelicans, which is unfortunate because, you know, you wanted to see Zion, but uh, J.J. Reddick's homecoming, uh, and we'll talk about that as well as, uh, you know, preview the Brooklyn game on our Saturday show. But, Matt, the Eagles are back. They're back. <laughs> They're crippled. This is like, uh, you ever seen Pet Cemetery? <laughs> For anyone who doesn't know, it's a Stephen King book that was turned into movies, of course. And uh, the premise is when your your pet dies, I'm shortchanging it, but your pet dies and you bury it in this specific cemetery and the pet comes back to life, except it's like evil. Uh, that is his eagle season. We buried them like three weeks ago and now they're back in our room, but it's not the eagles that we know. <laughs> <laughs> they smell weird. Two healthy wide receivers on the roster. Yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> they beat the Giants in overtime. Great. Zach Ertz showed up. Yeah, it's great. And uh, Greg Ward and J.J. Ortega-Whiteside going to lead us to the division title. 
I um, so I had Zach Ertz and the Philadelphia defense in a game that I needed to win. I needed both of them to get like 31 points uh, to for a win to get into the playoffs. And of course, Zach Ertz, great game. Eagles can't muster anything up against the corpse of Eli Manning, another pet cemetery <laughs> returnee. Just absolutely nothing doing it. It's just disgusting. <laughs> the start of that game was absolutely embarrassing. Seventeen to three. Yeah, you couldn't do anything. Not the first time this the season. Giants, uh, but then they figured it out, and the unlikely heroes came to play. You know, JJ Arthega Whiteside, even though the catch really didn't count, made that you know over the back catch, and I was like, okay, somebody on this team can track a ball. Greg Ward looked great. Boston Scott of all people, the Boston Scott high performing in front of one Mike Scott who was at the game. Um, it was such a different pace too. Like when they put Boston Scott in there, it was like just a, a new switch was flipped on for this team, and mostly because the Giants were were scheming for Miles Sanders. But seeing what Boston Scott was able to do and just step up in a no pressure situation for him. Because he's typically just a special teams guy. But he went out there and delivered, you know, catching the ball, running the ball. He looked great. And then, you know, of all people to save the game, Sidney Jones, who hasn't played on defense since October, makes the uh, the deflection that kind of seals the deal for the Eagles. <laughs> so, this is not the first time that a bad team has handed... The Eagles a very like difficult second half. The Redskins did it on opening day, and again the Giants even worse. I think it's an even worse situation because Eli Manning is much worse. Um, I like listen. I've always said the divisional games are like wonky, and you can't really count on them being automatic wins. Like in fact, if you go through and like the Eagles history, like I, I don't even. Th- I would be shocked if there was a season ever where they even swept all divisional opponents because that would also mean you're going like you know 13 and 3 right that, those kind of the numbers i i think i'd even be surprised to see how many seasons where you only have like two losses against you it is just, it's just very hard like it's just it's not easy to do unless you're the patriots like you don't you don't just beat up on your divisional opponents every you just you don't you don't and um that's the way the nfc has always kind of been it's always wonky it, it never fully makes sense it's always a little bit of a dog fight. There's a different winner every year for a reason, right? Because these teams just can never really get it together. Um, and that's what worries me about all the remaining games being uh, against divisional opponents is you can't ever feel safe. You can't ever feel comfortable. Uh, this was a home game too, like as well. Like this wasn't even like you, this was, you would say, besides the rain, like ideal conditions to be playing in. Like you're playing against a bad quarterback that really the team has nothing to play for. Um, your like your place, national TV, Monday night, like your team on the line, like you need to win to continue on. Like you would think that this is the time to make some kind of statement. And yeah, I think like pulling back from what was seventeen three is a statement in of itself, of course. And winning in overtime, like that's gutsy. That shows that you still have like the mental strength to hang. Um, it's still like not particularly inspiring. <laughs> it just isn't. <laughs> Um, one thing I will say is, although there were, you know, bad throws from Carson, this was a hell of a performance from him. You know, he threw the ball over 50 times and was still successful. Um, he was finding guys, clutch throws, those last, you know, two touchdowns to, uh, Zach Ertz to tie the game and then to win the game. This was one of the more clutch performances from Carson Wentz, and it even made, Elliot Shore Park say that Carson Wentz is clutch, and you know you're doing something right when that happens. But you bring up the division hasn't been won by the same team hasn't happened since 0304 when the Eagles did it. One positive thing: Cowboys won the division last year, so uh, you know they still are in control of how this kind of plays out. Cowboys play the Rams this week. You play Washington. Like. That should be here's a silver platter. Yeah, go be. deliver. You just need to roll with the guys that are there. I see all these people continuing to bring up guys like Des Bryant and Antonio Brown and Michael Crabtree to bring in. They're not going to do anything. I for tell you, me. Antonio Brown is not a is not an option. No. <laughs> Des Bryant hasn't played away. football in like three years. Right, and like 
even if you bring in a guy like Michael Crabtree, he's going to have to learn the playbook, and he's not going to know it for, like, two or three weeks. And by then, the season is pretty much over in terms of regular season. So you're going to have to roll with the guys that are here. You're probably going to call up a guy like Mark and Michelle to the active roster who was here in the preseason. Thank God the 49ers did us a justice and signed Jordan Matthews today so we don't have to, you know, be afraid of that anymore, of bringing him back for a 70th time in two years. But, you know, it, it's you got to be able to just handle what you can handle and go win the games that you're supposed to win. And it starts again this week. you got to go 1-0 every week. And it starts again in Washington on Sunday. You just, you just got to win. Like, that's yeah. it. Like, in what's interesting about the Redskins is they hung they hung in against the Packers this this past week. And, I mean, Packers are, at least on paper, we mm-hmm. think a good team. Packers are so – they're so impossible to figure out. Like, Green Bay, like, they are, like – they play well for 10 minutes every game and they're just, like, sit on it. I, like, I don't know what to think of them. Um, this team isn't going to lay down, like – and you've seen with the Giants, with the Dolphins, like these bad teams, they have nothing to lose. They have everything to play for. Like it's almost like, uh, like the last preseason game where like you have these kind of fringe guys that are trying to make rosters and are willing to make like big plays, do whatever. Like it's kind of like that because these guys are in effect auditioning for other teams, right? Like they know that like they may not have a chance on any other team but if they do well perform well with this team they could get you know a prolonged contract and, and extend their careers right so you have to be wary of teams like this i like to me there's there's no such thing as an easy win in this league like it, you you have to take every opponent very seriously again when it's a divisional opponent i think it always just adds like a, a, a wrench into it this team has already come in on opening day and nearly spoiled your party like I, granted, like that's a different team, and they're they're banged up now as well, like at just about every position. But I, you can't take this team lightly. You just absolutely can't. Like Eli Manning just like had a very good game against the Eagles. He should not be doing that in 2019. Like he just shouldn't. Um, so I don't know. I, the confidence level is still not very high with this yeah. team. But you know what? They're at least they're still in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they still have they still have the chance. It's still in their control somehow, um, and it's still good. Like. There's definitely a universe where the Eagles win, the Cowboys lose on Sunday. Like that's in play. Percent. Like yeah. the Rams, Rams are another kind of really confusing team. Fighting week, for a playoff spot, fighting for a playoff spot, and week to week are either look great, absolutely dominating Seattle, or just absolutely stink. I don't know. You, you kind of you don't really know what you're going to get till the day of. It seems with with a lot of teams in the NFL, honestly. Our good friend John Bartrick put a hilarious poll on Twitter after the uh, the Monday Night Football game. And uh, here are the options. So, you can either have that Monday Night Football game be every game you watch. So, it's going to be that sloppy, have to kind of muster it out late in the fourth quarter or overtime. Or, every game you watch, the broadcast team is Joe Tessitore and Booger McFarland. Okay, so another controversial hot take. I like Booger. <laughs> now, I've watched maybe 37 minutes of Monday Night Football this entire year. So maybe I just haven't been exposed enough. I don't mind Booger at all. I don't mind a lot of like the announcers that everyone hit. Like, I love Joe Buck. Me too. Joe Buck is one I of have, my favorite announcers. As I've gotten older, I have grown to I, appreciate Joe I, Buck. I, I associate maybe it's because of the Phillies, right? And he's like a definitely like one of the iconic, like at least for me, right? And like us growing up when we did. Um, but for me, like I associate just some of my best sports memories in general with Joe Buck's voice and his call. Like I think Joe Buck is amazing. I really do. And I also think people uh, don't quite realize how hard it is to announce yes. a game, like especially from a national perspective. <laughs> like it's not easy. Like these guys have to every single week learn in depth, not even just a. a a, a really thin understanding of the team. They have to interview these guys and talk with them, like, and kind of understand how to apply it to the game. So, yeah, he says, like, some stuff that I'm like, all right, I, I don't know about that, but I, I think it's like you reach, like, a tipping point with these kinds of things where it stops even just being, like, actual feedback and criticism, and it's just, like, it's just a meme at this point. So, I don't know. I don't mind Booger McFarlane, honestly, so I would take that, I guess. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I don't think there's ever been a. a a commentator that I've been like, I physically can't listen to this person. Like, I just, I can't listen to them call this game. I just can't. I don't know. I've never really had that personal experience, but, um, yeah. So for me, 
I don't mind. I take that deal. Um, yeah, do a booger. I, the people don't get you, but I do booger. I, th- I think one of the biggest knocks against booger is still his tweet about Lamar Jackson and people having to hate towards that. And then he broadcast Lamar's first Monday Night Football game, and then he's like, "Oh, I'm on board. Like, yeah, I, I think he's great." Like. And it's like one of those things where he contradicts himself a lot. And then just on the field stuff, like from just a football perspective, there is a lot that as a former player he should know. And it's just like, what are you talking Again, about? Again, that, that might just be me a product of like not watching a ton of my in football to begin with. But um, yeah, like, and the Lamar stuff too is interesting just because I feel like tons of people were wrong. And it feels like we kind of attach certain opinions just to singular people when like, there's a lot of people that were not convinced of Lamar Jackson. Like, with in every time you have, like, Patrick Mahomes last year, mm-hmm. like, every year there's, like, a guy that kind of has this mercurial rise, and everyone's like, oh, like, you take, like, the, we live in, like, a time where, like, freezing cold takes is, like, a very <laughs> popular account, right? And, like, constantly digs up old stuff, and it's like, yeah, like, you know, though, like, if you, like, his job is to talk about the sport. You're never going to be, you could be the most studied and learned person in your given subject, and you're not going to be right 100% of the time. You're going to get stuff wrong. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, obviously it's not great when he backtracks on it and, like, you know, he feeds into the narrative about Lamar and, like, there's obviously bigger stuff beyond just the talk about it. Like, it's more even societal, some of the things about Lamar and what we say about, like, black quarterbacks and things like that. But, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, it just feels weird to me, like, going on these, like, crusades against people for having bad opinions like yeah everyone does i don't have to tell you (laughs) you know like it's just it's just part of life you're gonna be wrong you know like you can drag him for it if you want but it's not like i don't know it's not like i've never had a bad opinion like i don't know i thought julia rockefeller was gonna be good (laughs) you know like drag me for it mostly because i met his dad (laughs) everyone did we all (laughs) uh but I will say this, it's not Philly, I love Lamar, man. I unironically tweeted on, like, Jaleel's draft night that if I'm happy to have Jaleel on the team if we get to see more of his dad. I've never had a <laughs> more wrong tweet in my life. My experience with Jaleel's dad, <laughs> I met him at Made in America. Oh. So I was, I somehow ended up front row at Made in America his rookie year. And Jaleel was, Jaleel's dad was there with, like, his posse and had... Jaleel Okafor Phillies jerseys on that he had worn when he threw out the first pitch over the summer and Jaleel's on stage and everything and that was the and they were like oh we're filming a documentary about Jaleel and everything what's good we're trying to meet everybody in Philly and I was like oh okay cool like you're embracing the city and then we find out more about Jaleel and his dad and now he's in New Orleans (laughs) yeah yikes (laughs) but uh Yeah, we'll talk more about the Eagles as the week goes on, and uh, the fun stuff is happening at the winter meetings, and the Phillies have been knighted. Didi Gregorius, one year, $14 million, according to Jim Salisbury and Joel Sherman. I'm very happy that Didi is here. He chose the Phillies over the Milwaukee Brewers and the San Francisco Giants because of Joe Girardi, and Didi is now going to be our shortstop. Which is interesting on many levels. I think the signing for a year, I think, is a good move. Coming off an injury, you obviously wouldn't want to necessarily kind of saddle up with someone uh, that missed half the season last year, and maybe a little concerned about that. But fine with it. Fine with the terms. Fine with taking a swing on him, and then you know maybe he comes back if he has a good year. It's, that's all good and well. Um, in terms of the infield as well, like I don't know what exactly this does. For Gene, if he's going to be at second base now. That's um, what it kind of looks like. Yeah. It looks like it's going to be Reese, Gene, Didi, Scott Kingry at third, and then Matt Klintak said today that he projects Adam Hazley as the starting center fielder, and then when Roman Quinn is back healthy, <laughs> he'll be in the mix as the fourth outfielder. But he did not mention Odubel Herrera's name, which is a positive in my book, which means he is not in this team's plans. Well, I, I think also... You know, I, I'm not sure of like the entire rules with his contract situation, considering his like status. Um, but I mean, if you can also get find a way off of Odubel's money, whether it's some other team taking him, or if there's some kind of 
legal mm-hmm. option you can take. He's getting he's eight million owed, right? Like that's not something like that. Yeah, not an insignificant yeah, amount of money that Odubel's uh, owed this year. So that you know, in a team that's allegedly, non allegedly, whoever you believe is either operating or not operating with the luxury tax, eight million is still like a, a, a pretty decent chunk of, of the proposed budget for this year. So yeah, if we could find a way to get off seven that. million, seven million, seven million off of that, that'd be. That'd be nice because a guy he's should should and hopefully will never play uh, a game for the Phillies ever again. But and you know I'm positive on like Hazley getting his looks because I think we've been proponents of like giving these prospects their chance. So I'm like I'm cool with that and I'm cool with that. Also, I think opening up a, a, a way for someone like Alec Bohm to potentially work his way in, into the starting lineup or at least get a, an opportunity at some point this year. Obviously, they're gonna wait until whatever time makes sense for him so they can screw him out of money because that's just the way baseball teams do it but um yeah and it's it's weird though because obviously dd is a good signing and now you have zach wheeler like those those are your two like additions this offseason i think those are good like if you had said you know in october like hey like this is who you're getting you know in december like the second week of december i'd be like all right that's that's good but I'm looking at kind of like the names left and I think it's very easy to just talk yourself out of it if you're the Phillies like Rendon I don't think we're gonna pay and I don't even think we're his third or fourth option just being frank um and Shysburg has obviously now stayed with the Nationals which we kind of theorized was more than likely Mm -hmm. just given their history together and all that um but I I also we also said that if they I think they keep one or the other, and right. I think they've chosen Strasburg, and I think Rendon is kind of has the door open. Their owner now. has even said they can't pay both, so yeah. Rendon is all but gone. And I just I don't think we're going to pay Rendon. I, I not that I'm necessarily against paying him, but I just I don't see it. Um, Chris Bryant, I don't know that we are going to pull. I think we could. I don't I, I don't think it's a question of ability to make a trade like that. I think it's. Um, like weighing risk versus reward for that type of move because I'm of the opinion that if you're asking me right now would I rather have like a third starting pitcher addition or Chris Bryant and everything you'd have to give up Chris Bryant I'm choosing that starting pitcher and that's not to say that Chris Bryant isn't good that he couldn't add things to this team and give us that extra layer but I I just think pitching is so much more important for this team I really really do like it, it would be just so negligent to 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 walk into this off into this new season again, like trusting Pavetta and Velasquez as like starters, like and I'm talking like five day rotation starters, like not even just like emergency guys, like these these are these are going to be like on a sign outside the system. The only real bank. guys I trust in this rotation now are Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, and I do trust Zach Eflin just because of the new pitching coach being here, Brian Price, and I trust Arietta to be like below average yeah like he is your typical <laughs> he's, not gonna give you, he's not gonna give you like stinkers right like he's not gonna like absolutely lose you games game after game after but game. but you're gonna have to hit in those games to yes. win which you know add someone like Didi, that helps yeah 2017 when the the yankees were in the alcs who was their number three hitter Didi gregorius i was looking at his postseason numbers as well he's a, he's a good postseason performer which hopefully is important to the phillies this year um yeah, I, th- I think pitching is the the bigger concern, and my other worry is you look at like the contracts that are being uh, like thrown out now. Is like I think Matt Klentak is looking at that and like, listen, I throw stupid contracts, but I'm not paying that. Matt Klentak probably did the biggest happy dance around his office last night when he realized that he got Zach Wheeler for the price that he did, because yeah. Garrett Cole's contract is absolutely absurd. No one wants to say it, but it's a mistake. A hundred percent. I said listen, that. Listen, I love Bryce Harper, but guess what? The that last contract. four years of his contract, everyone's going to hate Bryce Harper. And you know what? That's just the way it goes. There's not been I don't I cannot think of a single baseball player because they always get these like nine to twelve year deals, these mega deals, and the the thing that fans say at the beginning is, well, he's going to bring this, he's going to bring that. If we win a champion, and another tangent later, he's going to bring all these things, and it won't matter in the end. And they all hate him. They all hate him in the last few years because he's he's not worth the money anymore. He's well past it. They they can't move him, and he hinders the team. It's just the circle of it all. Garrett but, Cole gets nine years, 
$324 million, $36 million AAV. There's an opt-out for him after the fifth year. You the, the Yankees are paying three times the amount of money for Garrett Cole that the Phillies are paying Zach Wheeler. And listen, Garrett Cole's a better pitcher. Would you say he's three times the pitcher that Zach Wheeler is? No. I don't quite like. I don't even think he's twice the pitcher no. that Zach. He's listen. He's, he's the best pitcher in baseball. He's better, but I'm not saying like it's that exponentially better. No. Like I now for the Yankees, it's worth it, right? Because they have the money. Mm-hmm. They have no problem spending the money. They, they needed the pitcher. And, to be very frank, the Yankees haven't spent like in the last no. few years. Like this isn't. I know we all like. We grew up watching, obviously, and like the Yankees historically have always been like the evil empire or whatever, um, and spent the money and they don't care. But like that hasn't really been their mo, and obviously they haven't been really super competitive for pretty much this entire decade, which again is a little unusual for the Yankees. So it's not even like this is like uh, here they go again. Like they haven't really done this in a while. Like even last year, they were kind of they're kind of publicly dragged for not going in on Corbin, not going in for Machado, not not trying for like Bryce, like. They've kind of been happy to like sit on their hands and trust the development of their team, which, to be fair, was a good it's bet good. because it was, they played really well last year. And like, depending on what happens with the Astros investigation, <laughs> it's apparently coming soon, according to Rob Manfred. Yes, um, um, very thorough. What if, okay, so the other tangent I wanted to get to is I see a lot of Yankees fans parroting this line about, well, if he wins a championship, it won't matter. It will. You will absolutely care. Uh, I've seen when you can't pay. Ask the Red Sox. If they would take back David Price's contract right now. If they'll take back Nate Eovaldi from last year. If they'll take back the Chris Sale extension. Like, like it never works that way. It just doesn't. And you know what? You conv- and you know what? They're allowed to be happy because they, they got a great guy, great pitcher. You'll whatever. care when you can't pay Aaron Judge and Gleyber Torres. You will. Like, you, you absolutely will. It, like, when he hinders the team, you absolutely will. And it, what's hilarious is, like, this is the team. These are the fans that are, like, go on and on about how much they've won. Like, you're telling me they, they're acting like a small market team. I've never seen this type of attitude from the end. Maybe it's because they haven't won in a while. They haven't really been uber competitive outside these last, like, two years. But, like, they're, like, saying, well, if we win a ring, it doesn't matter. Like, are you the ones that always talk about 27 rings? Like, if, why should one more matter that much? You're not, like... The Rays, where it's deprived, like, like, like you haven't won a World Series like, since 2009. Like you're at the Rockies, where it's like, well, if we like, if we get that postseason success, we're looking for. I don't care. Like I've never seen my team do well. Like please spare me. Like you're the Yankees. Like you, you've seen more championships in your life than most fans will yep. see ever from just your one baseball team. I like. Don't. I will say this: baseball is better when the Yankees are the evil empire. Because mm, is it? Because. <laughs> It makes it that much sweeter when they lose in the ALDS after they hype up their team and all that. And it, it just makes for be- – it's like the Cowboys in football. You hype up the Cowboys, oh, it's America's team, and they don't do anything. When the Yankees continue to not do anything because they're still injury-plagued, their bullpen is falling apart, and they just spent $324 million on Garrett Cole, I can't wait for them to lose in the playoffs. I, I hope they uh, get the Astros. I hope the Astros get no punishment. <laughs> and I hope it is the most disgusting cheat job in the history of the world. And this is ALCS, and they get a game absolutely stolen from them. I hope I hope someone comes out and just punches Aaron Judge in the face mid-swing, and no one calls it, no one says anything, and the game's over like that. And the Astros go to the World Series to play the Phillies, and everyone has to root for the Phillies yes. to win it because no one will want the Astros to win it, even Yankees fans, and we win a World Series. That would and and Didi and Joe and, Girardi are the ones winning it. And there's a giant float at the parade of just Didi and Joe Girardi hugging. <laughs> that is like my fantasy. And Bryce leading the charge. And Bryce. Oh my God, the Bryce con the Bryce contract looks even better now. You have like yeah, like given given the circumstances. Because yeah. Garrett Cole's not gonna opt out after the fifth year. He's gonna be thirty four by that time. And if he opts out, he's walking away from hundred and forty five million dollars. No team in their right mind is paying Garrett Cole hundred and forty five plus million dollars when he is thirty four years old. He's not gonna age like a guy like Zach Granke or CeCe Sabathia where they're still going to be, you know, dominant later in their career. Just the way that he pitches, it's it's not gonna be that way. So he's going to be 38 when this contract ends, just like when Bryce and his contract end. I would rather be paying Bryce Harper $25 million, $26 million for 13 years than Garrett Cole $36 million for nine. 
and them still being the same age because a hitter's going to age better than a pitcher. Even at seven years, the first deal that was probably was like seven, I think it was right around Strasburg's numbers, actually. Um, that was even like, wow, that's like, that's quite a commitment to make to a pitcher. Like nine years for a pitcher is, that is significant. Um, but whatever, I mean, they have the money, go spend it. They'll probably end up winning a World Series in, in some at some point during those nine years, probably even multiple. I, I don't think you could you would count against them. Um, but yeah, you know, like everyone pretends like these contracts are amazing and like oh it won't matter. It'll matter and you'll hate it. <laughs> and listen again, we will the last three four years of Bryce Harper will all we'll be, be pissed. We'll be pissed. We'll be saying like oh, god damn it. Like anyone want Bryce Harper? <laughs> yeah, maybe. But by then know, the but... NL will probably have a DH and it'll make it even better because then Bryce won't have to play the field. Yes, but you know. You, you live and you learn, I guess. I don't know. Speaking of who you brought up earlier, Chris Bryant, I don't know if you saw the clip from Buster Olney today uh, about Chris Bryant and the potential of him being traded from the Cubs, but here's the audio from that from ESPN. How do the Phillies move forward now that they've gotten Didi? What I could see with the Cubs now, they're out in the marketplace right now with Chris Bryant. What I've heard from other teams is that they feel like the Cubs are going to have difficulty moving Bryant because he's going to make so much money through arbitration. 18 and a half is projected number for next season. That's going to grow potentially in 2021. So there may not be a big market of bidders for him. And the Phillies, boy, they would make a lot of sense because they do have payroll flexibility. Chris Bryant is a uh, Scott Boris uh, client, and we know that the Phillies work well with that. How? Please. For the love of God, bring me Chris Bryant. Listen, I'm having to decide between two of my man crushes here. I love Chris Bryant, one of my favorite non-Phillies. Love him. He apparently wants out of Chicago, too. I think a lot of people. Chicago like has, has Mostly because of his grievance that he has with yeah. his, his service uh, time. But. Understandable. Uh, take note, Phillies, with your stud third baseman. Uh, don't screw him over too much, okay? Because it'll come back to haunt you. Doesn't matter if they win a World Series either. Doesn't matter how great they are, they'll get pissed, and I don't blame them either. But um, having to choose between Chris Bryant and my love Alec Baum, who I've sold myself on being the third best third baseman of all time, um, it's it's tough. I I just I don't see it. Like I I don't know. Like I just don't see it happening. I really don't. And I, I think one of the issues as well is then you'd have to be signing Chris Bryant, which I'm not against either. I'm not against Chris Bryant happening or or signing him or trading for him. I just don't envision it. I don't know. You know, I feel like, again, we're probably in the running, and I think you'd be dumb not to at least be, like, doing due diligence on this and, like, calling and and asking about him. But just something doesn't feel like it's happening. I will say what's interesting is getting Didi just because – I know Gene has the no trade clause or whatever, but I feel like we've heard, not from Gene himself, obviously, that he's still open to being mm-hmm. traded, though. And as I understand it, he could, he can, if he decides to waive that trade clause, right? Like that's yeah, not like it's up to him. Yeah, like, and if he's open to it, like then yeah, he can be moved. And it just feels like that. Part of me thinks it isn't gonna happen. But part of me is also feeling like. It also feels like that's working behind the scenes here. And if there's one thing that the Phillies have been is that they've been kind of a surprise. Like, oh, Zach Wheeler signed. Cool. Like, Gene Zagura out of nowhere traded for. Like, the Phillies have kind of come out of nowhere on some things. And even with, like, the mystery team stuff with Garrett Cole, I was honestly, like, I genuinely thought, like, holy shit. We might be one of those mystery teams. Anyone, by the way, was saying that the mystery team thing was a, a myth? It's not a myth. The Padres last year were a mystery team in the Manny Machado stuff, and all of a sudden, Padres get Manny Machado. No one saw that coming. I don't think it's a myth, but John Boyd did bring up a good point where he said it's kind of the last call where... That's usually like the final the bid. signal to John Heyman is like, all right, get your last bids in, and then I think that's kind of where like Machado stuff comes in, where the but, Padres are like, all right, you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity, let's go do it. But that's that's my point. Is like doesn't there may not be tangible offers, but like there is a team that's mm-hmm. maybe like listen, like if if this is the deal, we will go beyond that. Like you know, like I I think it's it is kind of like a ploy, you know, to to bring people more money, and I get that. But I do think there is some legitimacy Definitely. when they say when they say that there's mystery teams, doesn't mean necessarily there's two mystery teams and no one's no one knows. They obviously know, but like 
there is like a there is someone that could surprise me and just because it doesn't happen doesn't mean that it, it couldn't have happened right like just because like let's say the angels no the angels wouldn't have been a mystery team let's say the rangers were one of those mystery teams like just because they didn't actually sign them doesn't mean that they weren't interested or they weren't in some talks like they just I don't know. It's just just weird the way people react to that kind of news. So, you know, we bring up Chris Bryant and Alec Boehm, obviously. I'm going to throw a third name in the ring for you because this was uh, brought up today by our good buddy John Heyman. The Rockies are willing to listen to trade inquiries on superstar third baseman Nolan Arenado, parentheses, and anyone else. (laughs) They've gotten calls on him since the trade deadline would shake up a monster third base market, including obviously Rendon, Donaldson, and Chris Bryant. But no one sees this as likely yet. He has a full no-trade clause, so it's up to him. I don't think he gets traded because uh, because of the no-trade clause because he has an opt-out in his third year. And if I were him, I would just... He only has, I think, even this is this will be his second year, so he only has, he just one, last year. He has one more season until he can opt out. If I were him, or if I was advising him too, I'd be like, listen, like, you could opt out. Now, he got a pretty sweet deal. Like, he has a very good deal as it is. It's not like he's being underpaid or anything, um, but he has the ability to opt out and get paid primetime money from a big team like the Phillies, of course. Like, they could certainly be in that conversation. So, that's the only reason I don't see it is just because he has, like, an out coming up. Mm-hmm. And, and I, even after that third year, there's opt outs in year four, five, yeah. six, and seven. I was just, that's like his first opportunity yeah. to make a break for it. And I just don't know that he would necessarily like push for now. Like if the opportunity is right or if he's like unhappy himself and he really like wants to leave Colorado, then yeah, like maybe that happens. But I just think it's a little less likely just because like when he, when he's kind of that close ish to being able to kind of walk on his own and sign a new deal, kind of wherever he wants, make his decision. Whereas now it's going to be limited by just, whatever offer the Colorado Rockies receive and like, um, you know, I think he'll prefer maybe like the autonomy route where he gets to make the choice. But yeah, I would take, hell yeah, I'd take Nolan Aaron. Are you kidding yeah, me? <laughs> I, would, I would go Nolan, Chris Bryant, and then Alec Bohm just because Bohm's an unknown. Um, and Chris Bryant and then Nolan have far better defensive capabilities in my book than Alec Boehm right now, at least. It, Boehm does not project to be like a gold glove right. kind of guy, right? But what what Boehm would give you, that I think we can all agree on, is he's going to give you great offense, bat. even from the start. Like, even day one, I think this is a guy that's going to be able to produce at a pretty good level in, in the majors. And I think beyond that, I think... I'm not going to say his untapped potential, like in this like unlimited potential, but I think he can be a... Like, you're talking silver slugger like type yep. of player like absolutely um so yeah like arenado obviously again you know like infield defense has definitely been a question with this team and especially if you're not able to like really reel in any more additional pitching someone like that obviously helps chris bryant kind of an all-around guy as well obviously helps but biggest thing with chris bryant too him and bryce are best friends and they're both handsome and that then, would give us, I think, like the sexiest baseball team. We'd have the sexiest basketball team and baseball team. That's dangerous. I, and That's honestly, wild. the Flyers are pretty cute. Yes. That's that is wild. It's hot in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you'd also have, obviously, Bryce's legit two best friends in the league in JT and Chris Bryant. Just the super friends. On the same team. Just the super friends. That's what we're going to be. God, JT Rumato is such a chad. When are we, <laughs> when are we extending him? Soon, like I hope that has that. There's a theory that it's not going to happen until opening day, so then the extension doesn't count towards this year's payroll. Okay, fair enough. So that'll be interesting. A um, little bit of a Zach Wheeler note, though. Somehow, some way, I was able to speak to a source close to Zach Wheeler, and uh, one of the big reasons, obviously, we heard was that he wanted to stay on the East Coast. But another reason that he chose the Phillies is because they are quote a win-minded organization. I mean, yeah, you look at the Mets. Uh, he is happy to be with a win-minded organization. I saw that as shots fired at the Mets uh, because apparently the Mets didn't even offer Zach Wheeler a contract. The Mets are talking about shedding salary. And then they just signed Michael Walker today. Oh, my God. Like, you want to feel bad for Mets fans? but like you I can't. don't. Like, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> but, like... It is pretty funny. <laughs> like, they offered Zach Lou a qualifying offer and just did not offer him a contract. That's unbelievable. 
Listen, I'm not like saying Zach Clear is like, I can't believe they let him walk out the door. But like, Jesus Christ. Like, again, especially when you look at like how even like average pitchers are being paid, you look at like Garrett Cole's contract and like, I don't think he's that much better than Zach Wheeler. Strasburg's contract. Like, yeah, like man, I don't know. How you do. Like, I think he probably would have stayed in New York for like yeah. even less than. Like, I think he probably would have taken a reasonable discount. Like, he probably could have got him for at the hunt flat hundred. You know, we we go up to one eighteen, right? Like, I feel I'm like, very happy at one eighteen too. Yeah, <laughs> I, roll on. I'm cool with it. All of a sudden, I'm very cool I'm with very that happy. contract. Um, last little bit of news: Flyers unfortunately suffering some uh, big time injuries as uh, TK Travis Konechny is out indefinitely with a concussion. And then today, I believe it was uh, announced that was it Oscar Lindblom is going to be out as well with an injury raffle as well just the injuries keep piling on when the flyers are on a roll you know it's it's part of hockey though you know like you're always gonna have guys kind of in and out um they've been relatively injury free so far this year nothing like uh too long term Mm -hmm. or or too like anything crazy so you could say almost like they're due for like their rash of injuries but um yeah connect these worrisome just because concussions you know uh, that could be something that's in really like he's out indefinitely at the moment, right? Which sounds yeah. terrifying, of course, but um, especially a concussion and it being hockey, and- like you just know where they're like. I, I can remember there was a time where we thought Sidney Crosby was going to have to retire mm-hmm. because you know. So you, obviously, like you want to be as careful as you can with those types of things, especially someone like Travis, who's like kind of this young upcoming star for us. You don't want to take any big risks with his health and uh, outside of even like playing right like in his life you know like after hockey so hopefully that's uh that's all good because uh, it was really worrisome like in the day after just because i don't know hockey's always really ominous too they always just say like upper body injury lower body injury it's like what does that mean no one really knows <laughs> no one really knows what's wrong with him but flyers drop the puck tonight though out in colorado at 9 30 and uh should be a good one hopefully they can uh, muster up a win Against a good Avalanche team, this should be a good, uh, you know, litmus test for this Flyers team, even as a shorthanded squad. But hopefully, they can pull that win out. They're third in the Met, which is uh, not something we've been able to say this late in the season, even though it's only December. Um, it's been a long time since they've been, you know, towards the top of the league at this point in the season. So it's good to see, and hopefully, the Flyers get back healthy. But we do have a little bit of announcement: new promo code. With Design Tree, our friends at Design Tree, where you get all of our merch. Use the promo code HOLIDAYS through the holidays for 20% off our entire storefront. Can't beat it. You get all your Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, Eagles, our Underground Sports logo, hoodies, crewnecks, t-shirts, all that good stuff. 20% off. And our Outside the Box storefront, because we have moved that to its own storefront, same thing. Promo code HOLIDAYS, you get 20% off. Your entire order can't beat it. Shout out to our friends at Design Tree. We got some new stuff dropping very soon, just in time for the holiday season, and uh, we also have some big announcements coming very soon as well, just as a network and everything. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at Underground PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. And then make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, a little purple app on your phone. Let us know what you think about the DD signing, the potential for uh, more free agents, and uh, how happy you are with the Zach Wheeler contract now. And you can also follow us on Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, Radio.com. You can follow and stream us on the iHeartRadio app. Did our little Spotify wrap-up. We reached 10 countries this year. On Spotify alone, so shout out to everybody around the world listening to your Philly sports fix. Oh, God. So disgusting tweet. Oh, uh, the Raptors court has Kawhi's path to oh, the buzzer Jesus. beater over the final 4.2 seconds on the court during his video tribute. Oh, my God. The only good part about that video tribute, our friend Max Kerman is in it. Oh, it makes me sick. That's the only good part. Uh, as always, show brought to you by Main Auto LLC. Ducharms Pro Foot. Make sure you go check them out. Tons of good holiday gifts over at Ducharms. Uh, dropping a ton of Jordans in the next couple weeks as well. Stock up for the holiday season. 
Security 21, Wainwright Bernhardt Funeral Home, Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated, Bob Novick Automall. If you can afford to, go get somebody a new car for Christmas. You know what I did? You know what I, I Listen, it's because you ever see the, the Christmas commercials where people buy each other, bow. like, the Mercedes and BMWs <laughs> and Lexuses? For, listen, like, I don't, like, what? This can't, this can't be a thing, right? Like, there's definitely, like, I'm sure there's at least some people, but, like, the average person is not buying their, like, significant other, like, luxury, not even just a car, like, luxury a $50,000 car yeah, on the low the end of the, model. like, on the low end of the scale for Christmas, right? Like, that's not a thing, right? I hope not. God, but that's dude. why our friends at Bob Novick are super affordable, so you can afford if you need to go get a new car for Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it may be, head over there, tell them we sent you. Mark Roncati CPA LLC and the Dental Wellness Center of Vineland will be back on Saturday, hopefully talking about some uh, big Sixers wins, some big Flyers wins, hopefully some healthy Eagles, and who knows what the hell the Phillies are going to do next. Nobody knows, and that's the best part about the offseason. So, again, shout out to our friends at Design Tree. Use that promo code HOLIDAYS at checkout for 20% off your order. That's dsgntree.com. This has been Underground Sports Philadelphia, episode number 192. Welcome to Philadelphia, D.D. Gregorius. From Matt, I'm Kyle. We are signing off. Peace.